Hello, and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week is our second instalment of our conversation with the senior leaders at Team Education Trust. You might remember the first episode came out in January. They were looking back at having launched their trust over the summer. And in this episode, we talk a little bit about the whole year of COVID and their experiences of of, of coming together and, and working together over that time. We're particularly looking at things like the evolution of their remote learning, the real central focus that they had as a trust on parental engagement and how how successful that's been. Um, Talk about the pandemic really as having um, an accelerating effect on the changes that they they want to make and lots of exciting work planned um, for the future. But particularly interesting to note that the workload is kind of clearly emerging priority and senior leaders really working closely with staff to come up with um, a workload charter that will make sure that um, all of the um, exciting plans they have are really focusing on what makes the biggest difference for their children and really supporting staff with their well-being. So I hope you enjoy this next instalment of the Team Education Trust story. And as ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Hello, Uh, today I am joined again by Team Education Trust Uh, and I am joined by Sarah Baker, CEO, Rachel Watson, Associate Principal for Stubbornwood and Director of Education and Achievement across the Trust, um, with Alison Bingham, who is Director of Development, and uh, Alan Brown, who is Principal at Model Village Primary School, one of the schools in the Trust. Hello, good morning, and welcome to all of you. Hi, good morning. Good morning. morning. (laughs) Hello, that, that, that general kind of um, everybody joining the Zoom call, hello. Great stuff. Um, so we spoke to you last in December, uh, reflecting on the, the launch of your or trust um, over the summer. And we're talking now in mid-March, so roughly, roughly a year ago um, from when COVID-19 was becoming a much more serious issue for us all. So I thought it might be good to reflect a little bit on on how things were this time uh, last year as, as schools closed and sort of remote learning began what what are your recollections of that of that time so much has happened since might, might be hard to remember hey, I, I think sort of if we start with the we remained open throughout the year um and I was only talking to staff this morning about you know the challenges that we faced in how proud we are of the work they've done and they've done really, really well to sort of embrace sort of the team ethos. We've also seen sort of changes through the lockdowns as well. So as the different lockdowns have taken place, so there's been some significant changes around the definitions for what uh, the criteria was around vulnerable children. And that's given us challenges around the number of children to be on our sites, but also I suppose the balance for us, and it, it's the balance to make sure that we're providing 
uh, high quality on-site provision versus the off-site remote learning and how accessible that is for our parents as well so they can engage with that with their children. Uh, and I'd say we're really pleased with how our staff have sort of stepped up to provide that provision. And we've done that in, I would say, um, a way in which it's supported from a class perspective, as well as through bubbles, and then wider than that across the schools, as the schools have uh, been able to still get together through our networks. So there's still been that element of being together, um, even at distance. I think we've really learned to adapt uh, and be really flexible with uh, new guidance as it's come up uh, and I suppose work with um, a set of the guidance in its set but how that reflects the team and then the schools having their own stance on that as well so that they're able to operate with some level of autonomy that fit, best fits their school, their staff, the students and the community that they're serving. Yeah and of course with having um, such a large special school as part of the the, the trust you, 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 there, there must have been um, a, a lot of a lot of children um, you know accessing a provision over, over that time as 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 you say yeah so the last lockdown lockdown three we really had to think about um, a review period so not that we were putting a capacity cap on but we were actually putting a review cap so that we were able to respond in different phases. So we looked at like 50% capacity and what that looked like on the quality of what we were providing. And then as things increased, so what the implications were on rotor bubbles, the use of uh, professional skills within the schools, and also how we brought in the early help provision to maybe reach some of those other families. And think a little bit about the device use because technology became even more important during lockdown three and became one of the criteria where if the children didn't have the access or the continuity of access, then they became a vulnerable child to come into school. So it was, again, another area for us just to work around and consider. We did a lot of work around risk mitigation. Um, and as a trust, we came up with some really robust risk assessments, uh, which included um, our staff who really know those students and families and have those relationships even probably better now than they did at the start um, phoning up and having some really quality phone conversations and as part of that then that would come back to the safeguarding team and then the safeguarding team and the principal's associate principal would work to really look at those students who needed to be here on site. I kind of start though that what's hearing Sarah talk just takes me back because when people say oh, it's been a year um, I remember the day we closed the school and it was this creeping, it was over about 48 hours that we began to realise that we really were going to have to close the school. And I remember that the last members of staff had, um, had left the site and we'd had conversations about, we could see we were going to have IT issues. And I stood in the car park talking to Sarah and I remember saying to Sarah that, that, at the time as we went home thinking we were going home for three weeks. And I remember saying, right, OK, well, we'll see you on the other side then. And I think the naivety that we had this time last year compared with where we are now is just quite phenomenal. I mean, Sarah's just reeled off a whole load of things from early health, IT issues, um, staff motivation, being together as a team, launching. There's been so much within that year that's been a journey for us that 
um, it is really quite good to think how far we've come. And it's, it's nice because this morning, Sarah stood in front of all of the staff and said, hey, it's, it's been a year and it's been a, it's been a tough year. And it's good to recognise that and then celebrate what we've, we've learned through it. Yeah, and it is interesting when you think about the sort of um, uh, flexibility and the and the the scale of the sort of unimaginable things that that sort of started happening and then just kept happening and people just consistently rising to those challenges. So if you think about the sort of school school closure announcement and people thinking this is Wednesday, this is going to happen on Friday. How on earth are we going to do this? And then almost the, the beginning of this year when everybody goes back to school for a day and then it happens again. People almost don't turn a hair and go, okay, well, yeah, that's, that's sort of where we are now in terms of how we, how we respond to things, these things and how we deal with them. And as you say, the subtle, subtle shifts between um, you know, the expectations around provision and the need for technology and all of these other things that have, have you know, changed and the bar has been, has been rising over this, over this period. Yeah, really really interesting to think about that does anyone else have any any kind of comments or reflections to share well just thinking further forward I had a conversation with Rachel this week and we were sort of discussing you know what the future looks like for things like snow days there's almost now a, a benchmark set that we will go to this way of working so no longer will it be oh it, it's a snow day it's a catch-up day it's a all of a sudden it will be uh, actually let's flip to remote learning we can do this and I think we're probably all much better equipped for what's coming around the corner in the sense of what what is the next you know is it a boiler breaking or so yeah it's a really it's a really interesting one that we we've now got this I suppose capability which we didn't have before yeah that real um genuine kind of organizational resilience Alan was there something that you wanted to add uh, yeah, so I just want to add on to that. It's been, it has been a, a long, but also it's quite a steep learning curve at different points for staff um, around the remote expectations. And, uh, and I say it's, it is now a, a change, I think, in teaching has, has now come forward where we are, you know, when we have snow days or there is a closure, it's unexpected. Um, I think we are looking at it in a very different, different light than we would have done one year ago. And I'd also sort of say that... Uh, an expectation for parents as well as we've really seen a change in that um, and, and our communication with parents has, has, has really adapted over the last year um, and improved um, and we had a lot of conversations at the start uh, where I think the parents felt as if we were probably keeping information from them but we were literally sort of saying we find out at the same time as you do from a government briefing um, and which is a very short notice and actually now um, they recognize that and so they've, they've easier to work with the school as well and they realize that um, information will come out as soon as we have it um, and we're not keeping anything from them so uh, but the relationships with parents have definitely improved and I, and I really sort of think that um, teachers staff um, ability to cope with change has really improved as well yeah and um, I think it, it, it it's something that um, Sarah and I reflected on the, the other day that you know, working working in schools and education, so much of timetabling or planning events actually feels very much in your control the vast majority of the, the time. You know when the carol service is going to be and all the, these other things. So so far in advance, you, you want to plan them. And then actually realising that everything can flip in an instant. 
um, and then you're into a much more responsive mode. Um, you know, for some sectors and industries, that's that's much more normal. But it is re a real shift in education. And as you say, it's um, encouraging to see um, staff how brilliantly that they've adapted to that. And um, um, Alan, sort of sticking with, with you, um, I know that you were already sort of working away um, with, with team in, in the background, um, you know, when this was, was happening and, and then the launch obviously happened last uh, last summer. But what did you what did you kind of feel as a as a somebody who was sort of joining a trust at, at, at this time? Um, uh, well supported, actually, and confident going through that change. Um, we really did feel as if we had um, a team around us, you know, the Team Education Trust, and we were working together on it. And I think what we'd seen in the run-up um, to um, academising um, was that the sometimes the communication we received from local authorities uh, wasn't as clear-cut as we'd wanted it to be. And, and I certainly felt that as we headed into lockdown a year ago, I, even though we hadn't academised at that point, um, certainly more confident going into a lockdown and the changes that were inevitably coming our way um, because of the lockdown and the COVID situation. We just felt so much more confident in those areas. Um, but it really was because of the support that we had um, from team and able to provide the, it, through the conversations that we were having. If there was something that came out from the government, it was it would get read, it would get filtered through, we could have discussion about it so much more quickly than we felt that we could ever have with local authority um, and there was there was quite a few occasions when we would sit in on meetings with local authority and um, informate we take information in one evening and then by the following evening it had changed again um, and so that became a little bit dispiriting really sort of attending those sort of meetings but within the team trust itself we could have that conversation um, and the support really for us, and it was a, it was a soft transition. It wasn't it wasn't the um, the academisation. I remember the day we changed over, a very memorable day, and it was a lovely sunny day. But it was far far more low key than uh, than we wanted it to be. But it was still celebratory, um, and it was and I think it was reassuring for parents as well. I think the parents and the children and staff found it very reassuring that we weren't just on our own at that point it was what was a very difficult time and we could all turn on the news we could all take information but what we were giving was a, a united front that was well thought out um, um so anything we put out um to parents saying this is our direction of travel through the pandemic at the moment um the feedback we got was that the parents were, were very happy that it wasn't just us acting on a whim or you know we were able to say we've thought this through We've got lots of um, clever people looking around this and they really think this is the best for our children and our community. Um, yeah, and it's, um, it, uh, as we say, we, we talked quite a bit in the last podcast about the sort of uh, practicalities of actually kind of launching during this pandemic, but it does does sound as if um, uh, the, the, the prospect of that on the horizon was really reassuring um, for uh, parents and at an anxious an anxious time for them because of the pandemic that some of those fears were allevi alleviated um given that you had the, that 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 broader um pool of support to to sort of cool cool down on as you say in a kind of soft partnership does that, does anyone else have anything that they'd like to add around around this area and this this kind of time 
suppose first listening to it um, from the point of view as, as the executives in the trust listening to Alan, um, I find it quite emotional because actually it, it sort of encompasses everything I suppose we hoped it would be. But at the same time, um, I suppose it validates where we're at and where we're moving to. And we have continued to make other partnerships as well. Um, not necessarily from a conversion point of view, because I think it's particularly tricky at the moment, but we've widened out some of our um, support for um, other traded services, such as our early help. And with that brings other people into the mix, which then brings um, a wider diversity around the table, which I think, again, adds more value to what we're working on next. I think if I may also add, I think um, there's lots of criticism at the time um, when, when you think about the last year and the guidance and the notes coming out and, you know, what we particularly enjoyed was always the Friday evening briefings, ideally before a bank holiday, it really went down very well. Um, but again, I think taking an approach, which I think has been validated across other trusts, but where, uh, as Alan says, you've got individuals who are sitting down and they have got, I'm going to say this guardedly, time, but they aren't, they aren't at the chalk face, so to speak, to go through the documentation, to make sense of it and to interpret it. It enabled people to take up a much stronger, clearer leadership vision. And I think that individuals, uh, schools working within trusts across the country are feeding that back. I think Sarah was giving us all a briefing um, actually on some key findings that have come forward and, and I'm not surprised because as we run trusts we're also practitioners ourselves we understand what the real implementation of these is going to look like um, but then having the, the dialogue with the school principals added extra weight to that and I think that made us much more fleet of foot and, 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 and really brought in some added value. I don't know what you think about that Rachel you know having bought the, the online um, learning curriculum firmly and I, th I think that was again a massive challenge wasn't it yeah I think the the remote learning provisions developed over time and I think we're really fortunate in that we've got a group of staff that are very much reflective and very much work in close partnership with our families so that provisions kind of developed and responded to what they need we tried really hard to make sure that our initial provision was accessible to parents and that it could be delivered by parents recognizing the fact that they haven't had the training that the teachers have had um, and therefore we needed to make sure that we presented it in a way that it was it was accessible to them and supported them to do their very best and we have been really fortunate in the support we've had from our families across the trust um, we are seeing some really high levels of engagement um, with the remote learning but I think what we found is that that provision has has evolved over time and is now something much greater than it ever was. Um, I think we see it very much as a as an ongoing journey and not something that's the finished product. Um, so we are proud of the developments that have taken place. And I know that certainly in Model, there's a lot of lessons now that are live streamed and things. And I think if we'd have had that conversation right at the beginning of the pandemic, it would have caused absolute horror and fear. Um, but the staff have the staff have really taken on board the the direction of travel and I think they feel that actually those sessions now give them that opportunity to 
to help support families at home and help support their children um, to achieve the very best that they ca can in the difficult circumstances that we all find ourselves. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting and something that, you know, I've I've sort of been thinking about recently is the fact that so much around the the pandemic situation was just new to everybody, as you say, parents at the school gate getting the information at the same time as the schools, etc. And to your point, Alison, people having, you know, potentially time, but certainly focus on 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 solving these problems and and you know maybe pulled in fewer directions for a time to actually be able to say okay this is how we respond to this and these are my thoughts and 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 as you say Rachel how we go on and and, and develop them and grow and evolve them but it, because it was about something that was completely new um to all schools and to everybody it was a sort of unique moment whereas if it had been hey as a trust we've decided we're going to do all the teaching and learning differently or you know we're going to rip up our approach to safeguarding you could imagine schools being a bit hey hang on a minute we've we've thought about this and this is how we do it um it was almost having this whole different theater of operation um that you know is is a really good way of um demonstrating um the value that working working as a group can can bring anyone got any thoughts on that no no i i i sort of think that um uh, through necessity we were all the staff have been pushed in uh, different directions but we've um and when i say different directions it's really because we've had to be really adaptable um, and even in different classrooms in model, although we're taking a similar approach, we are really addressing our remote learning uh, to what gets the best responses from and the outcomes from the children in each class. And we've had to adapt that all the way through. So it certainly wasn't starting off on day one and saying this is the model and we impose a model and that's where we go. Yes, going, going back to re reflecting, uh, each day we reflected uh, on really what the outcomes were and how things were going and, and talk, having a constant conversation with parents. Um, and with children as well to sort of say how can we improve this how can we move this on and really I think that's what actually maintained the level of engagement with the remote learning all the way through I do believe it would have fallen off if we were just stuck in the same way but actually and although we're stuck in this very similar way things got changed gradually as we went through the, this last national lockdown to maintain those figures and I guess having having that sort of internal forum for you as a as a head and, you know, Sarah and others in the central team to to have those conversations and reflections with um, potentially more readily accessible than, um, you know, um, networks that you may have had in, you know, previously. Um, would you say that that's made a difference? It, it did make a difference, definitely. I think one of the really important parts, and um, um, Sarah talked about it earlier, about um, as soon as we went into lockdown, we did have um, an agreed approach and we did risk assess all of the children. And those conversations, I think when we started, I think I think staff would probably say, oh, oh it's risk assessment. It sounds very serious and it was very important to us. But actually, they were enjoyable conversations with, with parents, with families. And the level of information that we we got out of those I think the difficult thing was actually almost closing each conversation because parents were really interested to tell us exactly what their situations were um, but when we came out of that we were in a much stronger position to say okay this is the way forward thank you for that conversation um, and, that, and that was uh, and that was something which we'd agreed in in, in trust that the team trust to do together 
um, but it, it and, and so with the practice just adapted from there really within model village but still under the remit of what we are all aiming for together across the trust and it's interesting to note there as you say the kind of um you know once you get started with these conversations with parents you know there there's so much to say and presumably sarah um kind of experience at um at stubborn with the you know um more children with special educational needs and um, that dialogue with, with parents being, you know, much more constant factor in in work there. Um, has it has it kind of made you think about sort of parental parental engagement and those kinds of conversations and sort of personalization, um, uh, you know, more widely beyond this sort of pan pandemic um, phase, given the sort of richness of the dialogue that's been going on? Yeah, definitely. I think Rachel and I have had some really interesting uh, well, conversations, dialogues with parents about how they've been continuing to engage with each other in the community. So there's that continual dialogue in the community where they've continued to raise the profile around Stubbing Wood. They've been doing their fundraising. They've been trying to keep things that they would normally do, but do it in a different way which has been really supportive. And then for our students on the um, experience curriculum, how we would then ensure that those families are able to engage with creating resources and supporting their children because their resources were making things like moon sand, colored pasta, so that actually they were replicating what the children would experience in the classroom. So we were almost providing planning for the families to actually do, to enable them to then do the teaching aspects. So that was really interesting. And I think it's enabled us to see how the families would like to actually maybe, when they can come into school, how they can engage to actually find out a little bit more about the teaching and learning going on in the classroom, but also how they can influence um, some of those conversations around the curriculum, which we'd started to have with them. But I think these will be deeper conversations now, I don't know, Rachel, if you would want to add anything to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been really important to have those conversations with parents. It's allowed us to be responsive to their needs. Obviously, we had a plan and we've we've implemented that plan, but we've been able to adapt it in line with their feedback. And it has become a very much individualised response. So we've had packs that have been delivered home. We've had resources that have been delivered home. But we've also tried to work to empower the families to to, to help themselves by, as I said, Sarah, um, explaining that we've, we've, we've given them guidance about how they can develop their own resources that their child might have on site. Um, because we recognize for some of our students, it's a very different curriculum that they access in school. And actually it does require certain kind of resources that are potentially not available in the home. Um, I think in terms of moving forward from a curriculum point of view, I think it is about making sure that we continue to have that dialogue with our parents. I think we have got visions around the curriculum moving forward and obviously the pandemic has, has had an impact upon how quickly they've rolled out. Um, I know that we've had lots of, lots of um, desire to kind of move forward in terms of employability and making sure that that's very much embedded within the curriculum that we offer and that we're, we're encouraging high aspirations across all of the schools in terms of employability. Um, but there's obviously new elements to that that have come out over the course of the pandemic, such as kind of IT and that kind of focus around green skills. So I think all of that kind of information now needs to focus into our curriculum as we move forward. But 
as much as there's things that have kind of been stalled because of the pandemic, I think there's also new things, certainly from a curriculum point of view, that have come out as a result of the pandemic. So we're really fortunate in the trust that we've got a team at the moment that are working together around the kindness curriculum, which is something that they're developing to go across the whole of the trust. So it'll support students at Stubborn, but it'll also work in the primary schools. And that's very much around kind of developing resilience and well-being, which are in response to the, the trust, uh, to the pandemic that we found ourselves in. And I was just going to add from an engagement point of view with parents, they've run um, a very successful sort of support group through the Facebook that they're running. Um, and if there is anybody who needs additional support, they'll come back to us and they'll contact us. So it means that we can be as responsive as we can be. Um, and proactive, I suppose, and that's where they also um, link in with their fundraising and getting themselves involved in things which they see as positive so they can continue to support us in the way in which they, they can. Um, and I think that's really valuable, but just little discussions that they will have uh, to reassure each other as well. And again, I, things that work for them, uh, places they can take their children safely um, when they're not in school, has really, really developed, I think, some of those relationships. I think it's very valuable. And it does sound like a really, um, you know, um, that, that, that you, t having taken the time and also starting with an approach that was very much around how can we help parents to deliver remote learning and kind of almost um, targeting in, at, them, at them as much as at the child initially has really built their, their confidence and, and as you say, that, um, you know, uh, curriculum consultation and these kinds of things will never be the same again, given the amount of experience people will have, have, have had working with their their children and and being able to sort of um, listen into those those conversations. And as you say, get get a feel for um, what they find works and, and doesn't is, is, you know, it must be really interesting and and, and valuable for you and and just great to see um, see how that community is is thriving. I think if I may say, Caroline, as well, though, there's something there's been a seismic shift that parents in terms of their relationship with education, they've only ever been, if you like, consumers of education. They've had their own educational experience and they've only ever understood that in the context of their own learning. Whereas what's happened in the last year with the resources that have been developed by the teachers to enable the parents to take on um, a sort of development role educationally for their child, they've begun to, to see things through a different lens. And that I think as well will lead to a seismic shift in the way that parents engage with school. I think they'll have a much deeper understanding and it's our role um, as educators and as working together to help to continue that, that dialogue, to facilitate that, because I don't think it will ever go back to the way that it was. And, you know, so, it, it, sorry, it is, it is really interesting to think that even if you had, you know, the most rigorous series of parent workshops or breakfast with a book or whatever it is you you know you you couldn't ever replicate the experience that these people have been through um so yeah it's about how you kind of capitalize on that and 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 really ensure that that benefit goes goes forward um thinking was it was alan was there anything that you wanted to add around, around I, I was just gonna say I, yeah so i 
relentless. So it has been a huge demystification process, I think, that's uh, that's been taking place, and it's really started. It has been an opportunity um, because it's it's just, we've had so much conversation with parents about the teaching, not and about how we organise things in school, and they can see it through the the, the lives, the lessons that have been taught. Uh, they can see it through the materials, and it's really I think it's probably the start actually of uh, getting further into it and yes they've probably learned more by um, accompanying their child on a, in a phonics session for instance than all the workshops that we've put on around phonics I think it's actually made it very much real life to them and they've been able to see that but we obviously want to now build on the back of that and say uh, you know remember what it looked like when we're doing the remote learning that's what we're doing in the classrooms day to day this is also how you can support your children moving forward um, so it's, it's, it's been an opportunity. It's been an opportunity which has been thrust towards us. And I think that's what we've tried to do across team is try to take that. Mm. And um, as I alluded to earlier, lock, lockdown three, as we call it, came as something as a bit of a shock, given we everybody was preparing full steam ahead for everybody to go back in January as normal. Uh, so that might have interrupted some of the work you were, you were planning as a, a trust. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about about that and and how how your kind of plans are progressing? I mean, I think from my point of view, like I alluded to earlier, I think it has stopped some of the the plans that we'd got in place around curriculum and certainly around employability um, and careers. Um, but it hasn't it hasn't stopped them full stop. It's just taken it's taken a little longer for them to move forward. Um, I think as well from my point of view, we'd certainly got lots of plans that Sarah and I were in discussion around um, CPLD for staff. Um, and again, we've looked at a plan for moving forward, but I think we'd have been further on with that plan um, and the provision that we were going to put in place around kind of research projects and book clubs and early career framework and things than we probably are now. Um, so it's not that things have been lost, it's just that things have been delayed and as we kind of now move into that next phase um, with schools reopening and things, hopefully those things will pick up again and move forward at more of the speed that we probably would have wanted them to. Um, but I think we're all very much a team. We, we try and work very hard to our deadlines. So they'll still be in place by the time that we wanted them. Um, it'll just be a little bit of a faster journey at the end maybe than uh, it would have been. Yeah, earlier career um, framework, particularly, we were talking about this a few weeks ago on the podcast uh, with the Teachers School Alliance and saying, you know, it is it's going to creep up on a lot of people um, quite quickly. Um, but in, in many ways, a really important um, area to keep the momentum going, um, you know, and it would be a disappointment if it had been delayed just because of circumstances. Um, so, as you say, it probably probably require a lot of a lot of um pushing and determination your end uh, to see those plans to fruition but um i wouldn't doubt the team <laughs> uh the team there um bringing it off uh, anyone else got any any thoughts about sort of um plans and and development sarah obviously you mentioned that your early help uh, work and, and and some of the services you're providing to other schools continuing um yeah else? we we've been working really hard around technology so we put a real in investment into ict um alongside that we've uh, recruited our own it manager which i'm very excited joins us at the end of the month um, and that will really have a difference for our provision uh, at Stubbinwood here 
and we're going to bring Model and then Worley into that as well. Uh, but we are also looking at how we can support other local schools with the development of that provision. Uh, and we already have plans as to whether we might trade our technology service. Um, and then from communications, we've learned obviously the value of those. Uh, and we're incredibly lucky with the work that Alison does to ensure that we have really strong communications. But actually around that, it's actually developing some of, I suppose, the other bits of team. Uh, we've recruited some really good staff. We're really excited by the fact that we've um, also got a premises and estates manager who joined us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's starting to do a tour across all the sites, getting to grips with those sites and, and what's actually happening, but also preparing us for beyond the pandemic. And then um, a data manager, because we've started to look at streamlining what we're collecting, how we're presenting data, but also how we can present it to staff, which has led us to, um, we've just completed a workload audit and across the trust, and we're looking at putting a workload charter in place for team, considering um, working practices and well-being and the balance coming out as we emerge from the pandemic. So that's probably our really exciting big piece of work that's coming next. Um, and for me, that's more about what the future looks like and how we can collaborate with our external partners as well, bringing in unions to really verify this. We're really serious about making sure that um, our staff are properly supported, feel valued, and team really is actually what it stands for, that together everyone is working together to achieve more for the students, and that we're only focusing on things that really matter for the children. And I think that's really going back to our core, that we did this for the children uh, and the staff, so actually just going back to some of those aspects. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. And I guess um, having that kind of shared understanding as to what what those things are is so important there. Because I think it's easy to say, um, you know, well, just only do the, the most important thing on your to-do list or the thing that you really think is making a difference. But if people don't, don't have a firm sense of what that is or they think, well, someone else is going to be breathing down my neck for something that I don't think is that important. Um, you know, that's where you get a lot of conflict and um, upset. Um, so that sounds like a that sounds like a fantastic piece of work. I, I hope we can hear more about that when we when we next speak, because I'm sure a lot of people will be really interested in in, in how you how you make that happen. Uh, Alison, was there anything that you that you wanted to talk about? Alice. Probably just um, in a way summarising, you know, in response to the question, where do we go as we start to emerge sort of blinking into the light uh, of a post-COVID era? I, I think it really is, Sarah's just said it, summed up as what do we keep and what do we drop and what's our key focus and, and being clear on that. Exactly so. Um, and Alan, any 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 plans at, at Model Village that um, or, or work that you're doing with the the trust more widely that that um, is on the horizon? It's I, I think uh, I think curriculum development is always on the on the horizon. Looking to sort of see um, you know getting our sort of careers work in there, enterprise work into there. That's certainly something that's going to be important for the future. Um, but also I would say. Um, actually maintaining the sort of promotion of things like early help that we have um, across the trust as well because that's something that through the lockdown has become really important uh, and it's it's grown in its stature and it's the view of what parents have of early help um, 
it's you know it's, it's, it's a sad point of view to actually sort of say that we've had to direct more people towards it but the opportunity for them has been there for that support and we have a lot of parents now who are using it very positively and so that's a continuation of that and actually using some of those positive outcomes to say to, to um, our community actually there are some tough things that we've all gone through and that will undoubtedly go continue to go through um, but those these are systems which are in place they've worked really well let's continue those so it, it is about looking at what we have achieved through the lockdown the positives that come out of that and so actually that's improves things that's, that's going to make it so much better going forward for families and early help is definitely one of those areas um, but really it's, it's all around the, the for us at the moment it's going to be all around the curriculum and getting those children as well being the kindness curriculum and really sort of getting that embedded um, so we can see some good impact on the children and and as you um were just saying there alison we're um I, th I think we're we're all in a in a in a place now where we sort of tentatively talk about about life beyond the pandemic and restrictions easing and and things changing but there's a definite sense as you were saying in terms of what are we what are we keeping what are we dropping bit of a bit of an audit for us all about um you know if if we have more choice in the matter you know what do we what do we really want to be doing um so yeah just just keen to get anybody's reflections either in terms of um work work going on in the schools or in the the trust or even in terms of your own ways of of working as a senior leader um anybody got any thoughts about about things that they really want to to do differently um as as we move out of this period i think for me it's about um making sure that the things that we do are very much focused on having a positive impact for our students and i think if there isn't a rationale and that there's clear evidence that actually what we're asking to be done um doesn't have that impact then from my point of view i don't necessarily think it needs to stay but i think what the pandemic's done it's it's given us that confidence to to change and to change potentially in quite a quick way um and to be creative about what we do and to focus on the most important things which at the end of the day are the children and the families and the staff um so i know that sarah and i have had some quite interesting conversations in the last few weeks about okay well what things potentially do go and we've had lots of conversations around kind of things like marking and assessments and where we where we ask our teachers to put their time um, and actually um, I think it's quite an exciting opportunity moving forward to to actually throw things up in the air and sift out the things that actually ultimately mean very little to the children and the impact it has. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, to think about things like, say, SATs, for example, you know, once, you know, no one could have imagined not having them for, for two years. But then, you know, we that's what we've all, we've all experienced. And, you know, what happens? People don't just stop teaching children or having a sense of as to what they should be covering and, you know, the skills they should be developing. So, yeah, it is it is a really um, interesting time to be to be thinking like that. Anybody anybody else? I guess um, as we move forward and Rachel and I, have, um, you know, having some of those radical conversations, 
it's actually what we've learned from the pandemic, what works really well. And I've had quite a lot of conversations with people who actually enjoy having flexibility to work from home, having that opportunity, even from a sort of PPA point of view, what does that look like? Um, for, I had a, a discussion around nine day fortnights and actually what that looks like for maybe some of our more senior leaders in the trust but actually how we all continue to learn and grow from this experience and actually work out how our partners work and how we can actually learn from other people in this process. Uh, and I guess the focus for me will always come back to the children and staff because they're at the heart of what we're doing. So anything that we are changing or working with, it, it's actually bringing them into this discussion. And although it, it's a discussion at the moment from a, a trust point of view, we will be bringing in um, the staff on the ground to actually say, okay, how can you help us to influence that work-life balance, that future that we're moving towards? What does that look like? How can you help us to indirectly help and shape the trust as it moves forward and grows? Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting, as I say, to your point about um, remote working, to think about, um, you know, quite a few trusts who were more established before before the pandemic will have had their sort of architecture of the times that everybody with this role at the trust gets together face to face or this or or, or, or that thing that um you know seemed like it, that was the way it had to be done um and actually um having had the experience of a more kind of agile leadership um and 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 coming together, you know, a lot more virtually at a time when, you know, if you had your preference, you probably would have done it face to face. Must be quite interesting for you as a, as a leader to sort of reflect on um, how how you work going forward and how you sort of divide your time or even where you base yourself. Have you had any thoughts about that? We've talked a little bit, haven't we, about location, Alison and. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to get into the schools. And I know I've booked appointments with Alan and Annette to actually go in and, and go around those schools when we just have settled the children back. So not to put the pressure on in the first couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting into the schools. I, I think from, from where I am, it's exactly what you said, Caroline. I think th there's lots of good practice that we've developed um, across the last year. I mean, working from home, who would have thought that a teacher could have a day where they're working from home. I mean, that just, just would seem ridiculous. Whereas now actually we can see how effective it is. There've been times for me where I just simply wouldn't have been able to get through the workload without sitting uninterrupted for, a, to be honest, you know, 12, 14 hour period just to get through the volume of work that was required. Um, so I don't want to carry on working like that, but I can understand the benefits of thinking differently um, and planning more. I think you've got to plan more for peaks and troughs in workload. I think that those staff, we've got to develop skills within the staff about holding people to account, um, about developing leadership management skills, as well as excellent teaching practice. And I think that's going to enable us to be much more flexible um, in the way that we work and to share workloads more widely. And through that, we'll find talent. That will give people a real opportunity to, to, to grow and to show what they can do. Um, you know, that's been happening through the Trust's Champion Programme, um, where individuals who've got an, an area of expertise in a particular area, whether it's SEND or um, careers, they 
are the operational leaders across the trust. They go out, they find best practice, they talk, they share best practice, and then they feed it directly back to Sarah in her role as CEO. So there's a very clear communication line that, that will enable us to identify talent going forward and to develop the skills across the across the organisation. And um, yeah, as you as you say, um, this this experience and the the the, the workload has, has obviously um, you know already having an impact on how you're thinking about addressing that across the trust, which is you know very very positive in in of itself. Um, was there anything anything else um, that anyone wanted to share with our listeners uh, in closing? I suppose it's uh, just to reinforce the power of collaboration, and I really do think our together everyone achieves more um, ethos has really helped us, and I think it's allowed us to emerge probably stronger from this year because we're actually a, a unit together. Um, and I think moving forward, uh, it's how we develop that so that we're actually bringing even more to the table through different people's perspective, but actually the growth of the team and how we then service uh, the schools. Um, when we recruited a HR manager this week. So again, we're very excited by the fact that there'll be more new people coming, but actually how that then builds and provides further services for the schools freeing up the principles to focus more on teaching and learning. And I think that will be really, really critical as we move into the next phase and we emerge from the pandemic. Well, it's it's such um, a pleasure and a privilege to, to, to revisit your story and hear more about your journey. And I'm already excited about the, the next instalment, to tell you the truth. Uh, so thank you all of you so much Uh, for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedules to talk to us today. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.